Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On this week's show, we're going to be looking ahead to Cork's All-Ireland Round 2 qualifier with Limerick at Port Cueve this Sunday afternoon. And in a few moments, we'll be joined by the Limerick leaders GA correspondent, Jerome O'Connell, to get the view from the Treaty City. Later on the show, we're chatting to All-Star Erica O'Shea about her decision to leave Gaelic football behind in order to pursue a professional AFLW career down under with North Melbourne. But Kieran, we're going to start with the Cork footballers. And before we hear from Jerome, we'll quickly look at the 2-12-2-8 win over Loud last weekend. And on last week's show, I questioned the decision to take the game to Park Aquive. But considering how the draw turned out and the fact that John Cleary's side are playing at HQ again this weekend. It's surely advantage Cork, considering they have that game at the park under their belts. All the signs and omens would suggest that Cork should win this game against Limerick on Sunday afternoon, 1.30pm at Parky Cueve, and live in RT for those who are not going to travel and considering the poor support Cork get, I'm going to suggest a lot of Cork fans will not be at Parky Cueve on Sunday um, so you can watch it on RTE. So the, the Omen suggests a Cork win. First off, home advantage for Cork to coming off the back of a, a good win against a very defensive load last, last weekend. And that was a match where the results mattered more than the performance because Cork needed a result to back up what they'd showed against Kerry in the previous game. And Cork got the result that they needed. It got them over that hurdle and into the last 12 on top of that, Cork's recent record against Limerick is very, very good. Limerick haven't beaten Cork, I think, since 2010. Before that, it was 1963. So history weighs, favor- history weighs heavily in Cork's favour here as, as well. Um, also, Limerick haven't played since that Munster final hammering to Kerry. So they'd want to get that defeat out of their system. Whereas that loud game last weekend allowed Cork get that semi-final last to Kerry out of their system. So... That's why the omens suggest and the odds suggest that, that Cork should prevail. And we're also looking for the first time in a long time with a, a settled Cork team ahead of the team being named later this week. You, you could know 14 or the, of the 15 players that would start and go back to the start of the league when there was so much chopping and changing and fellas were getting injured and fellas were dropping out. and We didn't know who, who, who was around. All of a sudden now Cork have a settled team. And when you have a settled team like that, you get more consistent performances and then you hope you get more consistent results because over the years, Cork football has been so inconsistent and that was their consistency. But now all of a sudden, if you look at the last four games, the last two in the league, they beat down in Offaly, which you needed to. Then they played Kerry in the Munster Championship. Okay, it lost by 12 points in the end. But there was there was encouraging signs in that game for 50 minutes and then last weekend beat Loud. So... The last four games haven't been bad. Three good results and a loss, but an encouraging performance in there. So if Cork can now put back-to-back-to-back championship performances together, 
all of a sudden this season it's taken on a totally different tone. Um, Kieran, talk to me about some of the performances then from last weekend before we look too deep into the Limerick game because a player who there were some question marks about after the Kerry game, not necessarily question marks around his inclusion in the team, but just his performance in the Munster semi-final. And that was Cork's captain, Brian Hurley, Castlehaven's Brian Hurley. And he was on fire again against Loud. So he's distanced himself from any critics with 1-4 from play. And he's just, again, when Cork are going well, a lot of it is down to him going well. And he went very well on Saturday. Brian started his season on fire in the McGrath Cup in the early rounds of the league. He was he was Cork main marksman. And I think at one point he had 50% of Cork scores in their first four, five or six games of the year, which was incredible. And he, he couldn't keep up that scoring rate. And then obviously Stephen Sherlock came in and Cahill Mahoney came in and they took some of the, the scoring pressure off him. But you're right, in the semi-final against Kerry, he had one of his poor days at the office. He didn't, he didn't score that day. He just didn't get into that game at all. And I think his performance that day was highlighted because Sherlock and Cahill he did so well. Um, I think Cahill got three points from play that day and some super scores as well. So all of a sudden, you're right, there was almost a few very, very small question marks about, about Brian. But he's, Yeah, I don't uh, want to over-egg the pudding. It wasn't yeah. like there was calls for his for him to be dropped or anything even close. But it was just good to see him back in the form. We know he can reach. 100%, 100%, because he wouldn't have been happy with his performance against Kerry. And he knows he can do better. And he he delivered again for Cork against Loud last weekend. Like we said, he got 1-4 there. And he got 1-4 in a game where, like we said, Cork were up against such a defensive Loud team. Like they had 15 men behind the ball for almost a full game. So it was very hard, hard for Cork. They were prodding and probing, just trying to find that space to get the scores yet he still came up with 1-4. And on a day where Cahill O'Mahony didn't score at all, and I think he was he was hauled off at, at half-time, and Stephen Sherlock scored eight points, but six of those were from place ball. So Brian Hurley took on the mantle of score in chief from play against Loud. And that's, that's a pressure that he, he carries so easily on those broad shoulders of him. And he's a, he's a big player for Cork. And it was just good to see him finding his rhythm again, because against Limerick, on Sunday, Cork will need their big game players again. They need Brian Hurley, they need Sean Potter, they need Ian McGuire, they need Sherlock, they need these players to to, to stand up because we're kind of we're kind of hitting the, 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 the crunch, the crunch part of the season. Like there's 12 teams left in the championship. After this begin, there'll just be eight. And for Cork to be in that final eight would be bonus, bonus territory after what we saw earlier in the league. And Brian Hurley will be a, a key man to get Cork over the line on Sunday. Just on Stephen Sherlock then, because obviously you mentioned he kicked a point six from freeze, but in a game like that when it's so tight and there's not much flow in the game, having someone who's as trustworthy as Stephen Sherlock from place balls is absolutely crucial as well, isn't it? We saw it in the Leinster hurling final on Saturday where there wasn't much in the way of open action, but when you have a player like TJ Reid on freeze, he's going to be the winning of the game and the same was the case for Cork with Stephen Sherlock. So if he can continue that free-taking form into the Limerick game, it's just all thumbs up for Cork. 100% because those frees in a tight game like that, they keep the scoreboard ticking over. And like we're talking about last week, previewing the loud game, Cork just couldn't allow themselves to, to fall behind to loud or being pulled into a real dogfight. And Cork always kind of had their noses in front, even though loud war... We're, we're always hanging on to the Cork coattails, even in the second half. They were they just they just wouldn't go away loud. But Sherlock's freeze, as well as like we said, six freeze, it just kept that scoreboard ticking over. Kept Cork, kept Cork ahead. Kept Cork, which was important for sorry for for Cork for Cork to be in front in a in a game like that. But an issue actually from the game is that Cork had only three scores. You Sherlock, Brian Hurley, and Colin O'Callaghan got a goal, and that's for the scores. You need more than three and three players scoring against Limerick. This weekend, I think you need um you need the likes of Carlo Manny stepping up. But you need a lot more from the Cork half forward line as well. Looking there at Omex, we need uh, Dan Deneen and John O'Rourke. We know John O'Rourke has scores in him, and so do Dan Deneen and Omex Sweeney. Um, so we probably need more off 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 them as well because Limerick Limerick won't be pushovers. Okay, Cork will be favourites, but this is a Limerick team that beat Clare in the first round of the Munster Football Championship. They didn't beat Tipperary in the Munster semi final. Them. They've also won promotion from Division 3 up to Division 2 for next year. So they're 
a team that's made huge progress this season and they won't fear coming to Cork on on Sunday. Okay, like we said, Cork have the record, they have the momentum, they have history behind them. But this Limerick team under Billy Lee, they they can see the chance for a scalp here because if we're being honest over the last couple of years, this Cork football team has not been great. Lost to Tipperary in the in the, in the 2020 final after beating Kerry in the semi-final. So Cork have fallen down over the years because they haven't been able to back up good performances with another good performance. That's why this game now is really, really important for Cork football. And you could almost use Paddy Kelly, who we had on last week's podcast, one of the quotes he mentioned to us, he said, you wouldn't mind if Cork went out to a team that are, are better to them in this championship. And that still holds true. And you can't say right now that Limerick are better than Cork. So that's why Cork should win this game. But it's also why it's a dangerous game for Cork because Limerick will not fear coming to Parky Cueve and Leaside on Sunday. Okay, Kieran. Well, <clears throat> let's look ahead to Sunday's game. And you spoke a little earlier to the GA correspondent from the Limerick leader, Jerome O'Connell. We're joined now on the podcast by Jerome O'Connell of the Limerick leader to have a look ahead to this Sunday's All Ireland Senior Football Qualifier in. Parky Cueve and we're going to get this from the Limerick angle so what was the reaction like in Limerick this week Jerome after the draw was made on paper it's it's a good draw for for both counties because they've avoided trickier ties you could say yeah I suppose um I'm not sure that anyone really wanted uh you know a repeat with player again so soon as well um so that you know that kind of left Cork then or you're looking at you know as you said the the big guns of, of, of Mayo and, and Armagh. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose both supporters in both counties can look at it as something to aspire to winning. And, you know, that's what you want from any championship game from, from the outset. And, you know, is victory attainable for Limerick? I suppose supporters will look at it and say, yeah, victory is attainable, you know, in, in some aspects. If you were playing in Armagh or Mayo and asking the same question, you might think, yeah, maybe it might be out of our reach, like you need something special and you need them off the boil or whatever. But, you know, the Cork or the Clare games, you know, would have been seen as, yes, it's attainable at least. And, and that's, you know, that's something to aspire to for, for any championship game. Let's chat a bit about Limerick season so far. So one promotion from Division 3, so um, Limerick will be in Division 2 alongside Cork next season. Munster Championship went quite well beat uh, Clare on penalties in the opening round, then beat Tipperary to get through to first Munster senior football final since 2010 before before losing to Kerry in the final. So put the Munster final aside for a moment. This has been a season of progression for the Limerick footballers. Yeah, it has. And I, I, you're, you're actually on the nail in one way when you say leave the Munster final aside because I, I think you have to do that first of all to, to see where they've come from and no, they've, they've come from a dark place, to be honest. Um, 2018, 2019, you're, you're looking at Limerick ranked 31 in Ireland by Allianz League standards. Um, and now you're looking at them into the top 16. And and, and they're on merit, I suppose. Two promotions in three years um, and, and the same progress in championship. You know, it, it's four, champ- four months of championships in a row now that Limerick have tasted victory. Um, it's the first time in you know, 30 years that, that, that that's happened from um, back-to-back championship wins this year, you know, the first time since 2009 that's happened. Um, so, you know, there, there's been continuous progress. And and I suppose from Billy Lee's point of view as well, he's kept the large core of his players in situ. It, it's quite an experienced group of players now. Um, but I suppose by, by Limerick standards, I mean, look, the reality is they're not household names across the country but the vast majority of them are there you know five six years um of league and championship experience a couple of hard days a couple of hard knocks but they've also had you know the, the big days they've had the league final runouts in Crow Park they've had uh, division four league title wins they've had a McGrath Cup win there you know albeit early year early in the year but you know these are all you know big days and, and signs of progress for Limerick football. So, yeah, it, it's, it's been a good year. And, you know, I I, I remember talking in, in, in our own podcast back in January and there was a couple of players that had drifted away again. And, you know, I just wondered at the time, could, could Limerick maybe struggle a little bit this year? But, 
quite the contrary, you know, they, they certainly made my, my words on that one. They've, um, they, they've, they've really come together, um, I suppose, in, in the fruition of maybe three, four years' work has, has finally come together. You mentioned Billy Lee there, the Limerick manager, and he's a central character to the success story. I think he's one of the longest serving managers in inter-county football too. This could be sixth season, I think. But what does Billy Lee bring to the table? Uh, Billy Lee, you know, I, I often think of Billy Lee and, and Colin Collins and Clare, you know, they're, they're, they're two of a kind, like just the, the right man at the right, at the right time for Limerick football. Um, I mean, took over a job in... For, for, for the 2017 season, that you know, there, there certainly wasn't a queue of people for it. He, he, he was actually on the subcommittee that was put in place to, to find the new manager, you know. And as they went around the table, you know, compiling what they wanted in the, in the new manager, you know, I, I think they all around the table started to realize that the man they actually needed was, was right there at the end of the table. And, uh, you know, when that became apparent, Billy stepped away from, from the subcommittee for, for a while, and you know, they. they you know, looked around to see if there were other candidates, but I mean, it was quite obvious that Billy was, you know, the, the right man. And he's, Limerick football is just, you know, in his heart. He played himself, obviously served his tenure as Liam Kearns's uh, selector and, you know, managed and coached a lot of teams uh, in North Kerry, um, the Stowell Shirley and other clubs around North, North Kerry and served as Limerick 21 manager, Limerick junior manager. So, you know, ha had the CV that we needed and, you know, he could have stepped away at any time, maybe in the first three years of, of, of the job in Limerick. And I really don't think, you know, nobody would have been putting their hands up to take that job on. But in fairness to me, he stayed the course, always back to these players, insisted that they were working hard, you know, and that they just needed time. And, you know, delight for him on a personal level that he's, you know, reaped some rewards and, and for so many of the players as well that they've got some tangible progress. You know, they're, they're not going to win, you know, lift the Sam wire by any means, but at least there's tangible progress after a number of years where, you know, the football was only going in one direction and it wasn't upwards. Like we said, it's been a good season for Limerick so far. So who are some of the, the Cork football, or sorry, the Limerick footballers we should look out for on Sunday? A few fellas who might cause Cork a couple of headaches. Yeah, I, I think the football team announcement um, on, on Friday night, I, I assume it'd be interesting because the, the, the team that played in the most final, you know, we would have thought was their, their strongest team, you know, um, and it's a team they've gone to where possible throughout the league campaign and throughout the championship. But I suppose, you know, with so many questions asked of them, and obviously the heavy defeat in Killarney, it'd be interesting to see do they make changes or do they, you know, stick with what had been the tried and trusted. Um, Obviously, massively experienced Donald O'Sullivan in goals, you know, and credit to him. He came up trumps a couple of times in Killarney as well when, when, when called upon with some, some good saves. Um, he's a giant captain, um, longest serving inter county squad member on, on the, the group as well. Um, he, he's key, Brian Fenley fullback, you know, uh, scored a wonder goal against Clare in, in Ennis in the first round as well. Um, probably one of those that stood up in Killarney as well. He, he'll be key. Half back line of being Corbett and uh, Keen Sheehan, both from County Champions Newcastle West. Uh, they're two massive players for, for this group. Uh, Keen Sheehan was probably Limerick's best, best man in the Munster final as well. You know, carries ball forward from the half back line, kicked a couple of points down in, in, in Fitzgerald Stadium as well. And uh, he, he's, you know, for me, probably Limerick's best footballer of, of the year. Um, forwards division then. Four division just didn't click, you know, in once the final or didn't get the opportunity. We didn't have the platform for for possession. Um, no forward scored from play, and you know you're you're not you're not winning games with that return. But uh, Hugh Burke is one in the corner. We just you know, need to get him on the ball. Nice things happens for forward division. Didn't really uh, happen for him in, in in Killarney. And we've got big, strong, pacey runners in half forward. Uh, with James Nocton, um, who would play a bit down UCC a couple of years back, um, Brian Donovan and, and Adrian Inright, and they're three big, strong, powerful runners that we've profited off all year. Mm -hmm. But again, Kerry closed that avenue down, you know, quite smartly in, in the Munster final. So be interesting to see if they look to rejig any of that. But as I said, it's been the tried and trusted 15, so it's, it's hard to see where, where they could make changes. 
is the challenge for Limerick too, Jerome, to see how they react to that defeat to Kerry in the Munster football final. Like it was a heavy loss to take, but in, in fairness, most counties in Munster have suffered at the hands of Kerry over the last couple of years. And, and now we have this kind of situation where where you've Cork, Limerick, Clare and Tip. And we look at over the last couple of years, Tip beat Cork in the 2020 Munster, Munster football final. Cork and Clare games have usually been quite tight the last couple of years. So there's almost that kind of that battle for that second place team in Munster ongoing at the moment. And this is a, a chance on, on Sunday just to see who might be the second best team in Munster. But there's that challenge for Limerick to almost to, to get that Kerry game out of their system. And it's coming against uh, probably a good team for Limerick in a Cork team that's on an almost equal footing. Yeah, it is. That's why I said earlier that to look at the season, if you take the Munster final out of it, you know, and I, uh, I, I don't mean that Billy Lee and Morris Horn and the management will, will want to just, you know, put a line through it and forget what happened in Killarney. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure they won't, you know, I'm sure they'll have looked at it and, you know, uh, Morris in particular, very good to, to analyse and to, to point things out. And they will have to take learnings from it. And, you know, there's no, no denying it, it was ugly. You know, Limerick were beaten 23 points and it was 23, an easy 23 points. Um, as I said, not scoring from play, just finding very, very hard to get any forward ball at all. So I suppose mentally getting over that is, is the big thing. Um, I, I, you know, I, I know they got back in the horse you know, fairly soon after it again, um, had their few days off, they've had a bit of a run out since. Um, and, and, you know, they'll be keen to, to, to make amends for it. Um, I remember speaking to Billy uh, after the league final before the Munster Championship and we just sent him like that they've been really good for the last two to three years of bouncing back from a defeat mm. be, be it league or championship that they're very very good to learn and to move on but like this is this is a big ask you know you're, you're looking to move on from you know I suppose somewhat of a humiliation on live TV in, in a monster final um, you know so it's a bigger ask and I suppose, as you said, and as we started out by saying, at least it's a game that's attainable to win. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, you know, it's uh, the record books will show like 1965 and 2003. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's it's not a Limerick and a, and a Watford or a Limerick and Tip scenario where, you know, it's tit for tat every couple of years or whatever. I mean, the record books still show that, and bookies will have it as well that, you know, Limerick have to be rank outsiders. Um, you know, we, we've seen it already this year, maybe the under-20s as well. And, you know, Cocky came up to, to Valley of Grand and, you know, easy enough, it came true. What was the reason the Limerick team as well that day? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's an uphill task for Limerick, but I think it's one they'll, they'll relish. They've been getting that bit closer to Cork the last couple of years. Um, it's just the dynamics of this particular one. You know, Cork have taken their carry defeat and have probably worked out of their system Across the last couple of weeks with the loud game and all of that. Um, I, I would prefer if Limerick were coming in that route rather than having Cork up next, maybe just bang after the Kerry game. Um, I know they've had a bit of a workout since, but it's nothing like a competitive game. And obviously then going down to Porky Cueve as well, you know. Um, but you know, I, I, I'd be disappointed if we didn't get a big showing from Limerick. As I said earlier, they, they tend to come back and learn from, from defeats, but just up here mentally, how they can... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how they, how they recovered from, from It's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. And before I let you go, Jerome, just to, to get the thoughts of you on, it's very much like Cork in a way where the, the footballers are second to the hurdlers. And when the Limerick hurdlers are going well, what's it like for the footballers in Limerick then? Footballers in Limerick, you know, it's like below in Killarney, uh, I, I, I was in holidays and I was down there as a supporter, you know, and... Like the, the pocket of Limerick fans in, in, in the stand and around the terraces, um, very, very small. Um, you know, back 2003, 2004, that Liam Kearns era, you know, beat Cork, obviously blown Cork Creve in 2003 and got to Munster for final. But that was a Limerick football team that was contesting Alliance League in Division 1, you know, um, was in a Division 2 final in, in Crow Park, lost to Westmead. And, you know, we're, we're, we're contesting monster finals and running Kerry close in, in league semi-finals and things like that. And they built up a bit of a following. But in general, like the Limerick following is just so small for football. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember doing a piece with Donald O'Sullivan after the Tipperary Championship game in semi-final. And, you know, he was just saying like what a refreshing feeling it was to, to meet all the supporters afterwards on the ground. And he was just saying like how 
football community is so tight knit that you know he felt he almost knew the, the faces and the names of, of so many of the supporters and they've got a loyal bunch of supporters but the reality is it's very very small i remember commenting during the year that you know limerick were outnumbered once or twice in home league games this year and you know we were doing reasonably well at, at the time um they're a loyal bunch but a very very small bunch i mean we probably had like if you only go 50 50 in turles last week you're talking 23,000. you know from from limerick it's anything there you know i mean if we bring 3,000 to cork you, you you know probably going to be a big crowd like very true yeah. like it's, it's very similar to to cork in terms of, of, of the football following it's that small loyal band of supporters that follow the cork footballers and seems to be the same in Limerick, but at least this Sunday, the Cork Olympic footballers will have centre stage to Rome. They'll have it live on RT as well. So here's hoping for a good game. I think I think it will be a good game. Like, you know, there's a real opportunity for for both sides to be, you know, for from a Limerick point of view, to be in a quarter final. You know, that that's that's a big thing for that's that's another massive progress. As would be beating Cork would be another massive progress. Obviously, you know, in terms of the, the history books. Um, and, you know, it's also a great opportunity for Limerick to learn as well, because, you know, they're very, you know, very focused on the fact that they're going to be playing Division Two football next year. You know, Kerry was obviously a very steep learning curve, but you're probably, you know, playing number one or two there in terms of rankings. But it's just an indication from step up that they will face next year in, in seven league games. So there'll be another, you know, a test from in that regard. Um, so I, I, I think it's got the makings of what should be a good game. Um, yes, I would accept our Cork deserve to be favourites, home advantage, tradition, everything like that. The run out against Loud, I think, is, is a huge help for them to, to, to wipe away the Kerry game in, in, from them. Um, but it, it has the makings of a game because it's something that's attainable to both, and the reward for both is, is progress. And, you know, you get a shot up, you know, one of the so-called big guns in probably in a quarter final, maybe. Um, so I, I'd expect it to be a right good game. Limerick are very, very fit, very, very conditioned, albeit didn't look that way in Killarney, but they are. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very disappointed if, uh, if Limerick didn't, uh, you know, feature strongly for, for much of this tie and, and, you know, see where it is in, in the last 10 minutes. If, if you look back to the last meeting, in, you know, in the Gaelic rounds, you can... Uh, you can look at different sectors of the game where it may be just swayed towards Cork. But, you know, for, for long periods, Limerick were well on their coattails and just couldn't get the scores to really ask enough questions of Cork. And, you know, you're just hoping that Sunday can be something like that. They can, the longer Limerick can stay in the game, the better. Obviously, in Killarney, Kerry knew exactly what they were doing. And then, you know, that's what one of the best teams do. They put it to bed as early as they can. But in, in, on Sunday, Limerick's first quest has to be to stay in that game mm -hmm. as long as possible and then see, you know, what you can launch from there. Great stuff, Jerome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast this week. No problem, Kieran. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So, Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, the loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalised and customised to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers um, because it covers cash flow, um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now, as we know. Um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive. Uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer, depending on their enterprise. Um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan, which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today, how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with, you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly, which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999.
And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. McCroom's Erica O'Shea will be the youngest ever Irish player to join the AFLW when she links up with North Melbourne next week. And Kieran, you've been speaking to Erica about her decision to leave the Cork Ladies Football Panel to go and pursue a professional sporting career down under. So before we hear from her, maybe just talk about how much of a loss she's actually going to be to Shane Ranane's team. Because obviously she was an all-star in her first year as a senior and that doesn't happen that often. She's an exceptional talent, an exceptional player with an extremely bright future. But her future is going to be in Australia rather than in Cork. So how much of a blow is this to Shane Renane and the Cork ladies football setup? A huge, huge loss. Erica stepped into that Cork half back line and she looked right at home at senior inter-county level. And we all know ourselves that it's not very easy to step up from, from minor or under 20, whether it's the men's game or the women's game, to, to step into senior and look right at home. But she did that. And the last two seasons with Cork, she was just immense driving forward from the half back line. So from a Cork football point of view, Erica's a huge loss, massive loss, because she's an all-star defender last year. And that just that just marks out her talent. And she's only 19. So you're looking at a, the next decade of Erica O'Shea on this Cork team, but she's decided to pursue a different um, sporting career option and the very best look to her. I think we'd all love to be heading off to the to, to the sun in Australia for, for a couple of months. And that's what she has before her. Um, she's heading out there quite soon. And while it's a, a huge loss to Cork football, it's such an exciting time for Eric O'Shea and her, and her own life and her, her own sport and adventure, because how could you turn down the opportunity to be a professional, a professional athlete down under? So, um, Fierce, exciting time for her. And it's interesting, Jack, that last week when North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos is a team that Erica's joining, they announced that both Erica and Vicky Wall have signed with the club for the year ahead. And there was quotes on their website, which are very interesting. And they came from AFLW talent and performance manager, Reese Harewood. And what he said about Erica, and I'm just scrolling down to, uh, scrolling down to it here, We've been really impressed with the traits and impact Erica has shown with Cork. Her speed, agility and ability to cover the ground stand out, as well as her capacity to find a balance between defending and attacking in Gaelic. And we think her attributes will give her scope to play through a variety of positions for us. At just 19 years of age, Erica has plenty of upside and is a player who we feel can grow with us over a period of time. She can't wait to arrive in Melbourne and begin her journey. That's what Reese Harewood said. And as you'll hear from Erica quite soon, she can't wait to get going. And it's just such an exciting time for her. Who knows? We might see her back in, in the Cork jersey in years to come. And she might come back even a, a better footballer for the experience that she'll have in Australia. But um, for now, Jack, I think just to, to wish Erica all the best. And as you'll hear from her at the end of the interview, there's an open invitation to the Southern Star if ever we're in Australia that she'll, um, she'll put up the Star Sport podcast. So it's something to keep in mind for later in the year, Jack. In the middle of last week, North Melbourne confirmed the signings of both Vicky Wall and Cork's Eric O'Shea for the upcoming AFLW season. So even though this has been in the pipeline for some time now, it's starting to feel real. So Erica, what's it like to have that contract signed and the move rubber stamped? It must, it's moving ever closer. Every week it's getting closer, yeah. It's something I'm really excited for, obviously. It's going to be a big change, but... Like it's something I always wanted to do and it was a dream come true when I finally got the offer. So it's something obviously it's going to be a big, big change, but I'm very excited all the same. What was it like last week when North Melbourne, they officially announced that yourself and Vicky are, are joining them? I, I suppose it must have been pandemonium since you've been pulled from pillar to post. You've been the woman at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it might be hectic now. It's hard to make time for other people and meet up with everyone before I go. But like I'm so lucky Vicky's in the same club. She's such a talented player. It's going to be great to have another Irish person there. So I was delighted to see that too. What is the plan so over the next couple of weeks? Have you a date when you're going to fly out from Cork and you're going to get over to, to Melbourne and get set up? So they're aiming for mid-June now for me to fly over for pre-season. So that's obviously coming very fast as we're already in June. But um, I obviously, whenever they tell me to fly out, I'll be gone. So it's whenever they call it. 
have you a bucket list over the next couple of weeks, a couple of things you want to tick off here at home before you head down under? Yeah, there's definitely a good few places I want to see before I leave and a lot of people I need to say goodbye to, obviously. I have a lot of busy life now between now and the time I go. Ah, but it, it's really, it's fierce exciting, Erica. And, uh, but I want you to take me back to the start of this particular chapter in your life when you first re- realised that a move to Australia to play Aussie Rules was, was a reality. When, when, did it, when did it all start? Perfect. So after I won the first All-Star, I got contacted by Mike Grant, who's so talented. Mike is a great man. He really helped me out throughout the year and throughout the move especially. But um, Mike asked me what was my plans. And I didn't really think much of it since. I thought it was, you know, just when I was sex, I go out to a few people. But no, Mike has been unbelievable. I couldn't say enough things about Mike. He's always helped me throughout the whole move. And then after I won the first All-Star, I was talking to Mike, obviously. And after that, Vicky Wall was getting watched for the last couple of years, I think. And I man-marked Vicky in one of our practice matches against me. And it was, it was recorded for the league and I got contacted by North Melbourne privately then. And I said to Mike and it went from there. So that, that kick-started, a, like I said, this exciting new chapter in your life. But it probably came to a point then, Erica, you had to make a decision. OK, am I going to stay here at home and continue playing football with Cork? Or am I going to pursue the, the chance to be a pro athlete in Austra- Australia? So how hard a decision was that when it finally came to making that decision? It was very, very difficult because Cork senior ladies, like they're such a talented group of girls and it was always something I wanted to be part of, the Cork squad. And when I finally made it, it was a dream come true, obviously. And um, so that leaving that behind after being a young child, playing football the whole way up, thinking I want to be like Orla Finn and all these girls and playing alongside them. So that decision to leave the girls was very, very difficult. But I was so lucky I got all their support and the support of the management um, for whatever I wanted to do. I, I, like, I'd be fully backed by the team which I was really lucky. And um, after that, I just had to sit down with my family as well and just discuss college and how I could continue that. And luckily, UL have been great too. So it gave me a chance to balance and prepare my studies for my exams when I come home. And yeah, just it really worked out. Everything came into play and everything just worked out for me. So I had to take the opportunity. Before we, I, I talk more about Cork football, I have to ask, what was that conversation like at home when, when mom and dad realised that Erica was heading to the, the other side of the world? How did they take the news? You can only imagine. I, I'm the baby of the family, so it didn't go down too smoothly. But at the same time, they're always there to support me. Like my dad wants to come out with me and settle me down first in Australia. So he's going to fly over with me because I'm so young. I'm only 19 still, so I have a good bit of maturing to do. But um. My mum, she's obviously over the moon as well, but she's so sad to leave me, me go. But it's something I always wanted to do, and they know that, so they're just they're happy to be there for me. Like we're saying, it's just a brilliant opportunity, and it's, it's one you just couldn't say no to. So you were saying there about the, the, the Cork football, they gave you great support. So what was that conversation like with, with Shane Ronane when you said, OK, Shane, I'm deciding to go down this path for the time being? What was his reaction? Obviously gutted to lose you because you're such a key part of the Cork team over the last couple of years, but probably happy for you in the sense that it's an adventure you're setting off on. Yeah, like Shane was very understanding. He kind of talked to me as a person and said, like, whatever I wanted to do, that like it was my decision and he'd be supportive no matter what. So I was really lucky that way. And he told me I was always welcome back. So I was really lucky I had a good manager that way to put me on the right path as whatever I wanted to do, I'd be supported. So I was very lucky Shane was so good to me. Was it hard to watch the Munster final recently, Cork and Kerry down in Clarny? It was very tough now. I'm not going to lie, not to be a part of it. I was, it was hard. But like at the same time, I was just thrilled to see the girls win the cup. Like they deserve it. The hard work they put in. It was a long time coming anyway. And you even mentioned there, Eric, as well, kind of education-wise, you're a student in UL. So how is that going to pan out over the, over the next 12 months? So UL have been unbelievable. Like all the people above, DJ Collins, everyone, he's a coach above. Everyone has been so supportive of me up being up there. And we actually won the O'Connor Cup this year. So they're obviously a very good, strong team. And I was really lucky that my course can go online for the first semester. And I get to continue my studies in pre-recorded lectures. And then when I come home after Christmas, I can continue in person and do my exams and everything like normal. So I'm not missing out on anything, which is great. So that obviously that skewed my decision as well to let me go for the leap of playing as rules. Oh, it's brilliant. So like we said, like you said there, sorry, you're playing out in a couple of weeks. So what excites you most about the adventure that you're about to set off on? 
Um, definitely meeting new people and learning the new sport. Like I, I love like new sports. I played basketball when I was younger. I played football. I did gymnastics. I just I love like being sporty. So tall of learning a new sport. Just I'm really excited for the journey now. It's I can't wait for it to come. And I'm definitely excited to see Australia. I've never been there before, so it's something I always wanted to do. I want to go traveling Australia. So hopefully I get the chance to do that after the season. And how have you kind of, I suppose, the last couple of weeks and months to try and acclimatise to a different shape ball, obviously going from the round ball to the oval ball. What have you What have you done here at home to try and try and help that transition? Yeah, I actually met up with a few people now who have been really good to me. Definitely Kieran Sheehan. He's been excellent. He's the former Cork footballer. He went out playing Aussie Reels as well. And I met up with him for a kick and he was so good to me. I couldn't speak highly enough of him. And I met up with Stefan Ankebar from Kerry as well. And he helped me a good bit too. They all just teach me the skills and like what, what's going to happen when I go over. Like they've all been through it. So I was really lucky to have those two lads to help me out and show me how to play as well as Mike, Mike Ran, who showed me a lot of skills as well. He's been very good. But like even just to have Kieran and Stefan's background of how they travelled over and mm. how they experienced being in this new club, learning a new sport. It was great just to get that insight. And I'm so thankful for them for giving me the opportunity to go kicking with them and like listen to their stories. Even to have that, like you said, that insight into the journeys that they have, because like you said, you're 19 years of age. Like, is any part of this daunting to you, the fact that you're you're leaving home, going to Australia and setting off and like you said, on, on this, this adventure? Like, is, is there any, is it, is it daunting really? Yeah, Yeah, it is obviously very daunting, but at the same time, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity as well for me and I have to grab it while it's there. And like, I know I'm very young, but I'm hoping that because I'm so young, it'll pay off that if I stay out there for a few years, that I'll be like excelling in the sport, hopefully. But um, I've obviously had big moments like playing the All-Ireland Final when I was still a minor and stuff. So I feel like the fear is kind of going out of me slowly. <laughs> so hopefully that'll pay off now and I won't be as scared going over. And what's your expectation for your first season over? What's your what's your target? I'm obviously excited just to get involved in the sport and try out the team as best as I can and learn and adapt to the, the actual ball, like you said earlier. <laughs> Um, but I'd say I just physically get stronger and go to the gym a bit more, a bit bigger and more physical. And yeah, just go from there and see how we get on. Tell me what it was like so the first time you kicked the oval ball. Which direction did it go? Um, I'd say no, Mike Ryan would tell you that. I went, it didn't go well for the first few, but I got the hang of it eventually, thanks to him. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it was hard to get used to it. There's a lot of skill to it. But when I met up with Kieran and Stefan as well, they were teaching me small knacks of how to get used to it and how to point the ball when you're shooting and stuff. So it was actually great that way. Like this is an opportunity opportunity for you, Erica, to push yourself, to do something, do something completely different. Does, does that part of it excite you as well? Definitely. Like it's it's I'm obviously just really it hasn't even hit me properly that I'm moving, to be honest with you. Like um it's still like over my head, it's still a dream come true, like and like even they're sending me on plans at the moment to do training, like running and gym. And I'm actually lucky that the Castle Hotel gym in McCroom, they've been excellent to me. Like I, I don't think I'd be as well prepared going over without them. The, the, the lads below in the gym, Mackie and them have just been exceptional. Like go through all the, the drills and like everything, all the um, programs supposed to be doing. And they just went through everything with me below. So I'm really thankful to Rory and everyone for giving me membership to help out. And over the last couple of years, too, we've seen a lot of, of, of footballers head off to the, to the AFL. Have you picked their brains? I'm even thinking like Breed Stack is obviously a Cork football legend and she's had her, her time over there, the, the Chorus Dauntons and all the Dwyers of these. Have you, have you tried to touch base with any of these to get inside or are you kind of setting off on, on your own pet? No, I've actually touched base with a few of the girls now. Like I was actually talking to Ash Mack a little bit um, before I made a decision. And she was excellent to me. She getting through small things of what I was supposed to know about, like before I go into contracts and stuff. So I was really lucky to get her as like a person I can go to, saying, "Is this what it's supposed to look like?" or stuff like that. So I was actually lucky, and I actually got into Cora as well. Was DJ Collins up in UL. Um, he used to manage Mayo before, so he put me on to Cora. So I was really lucky I got into Cora as well. Have you done a bit of homework on Melbourne to see what the city's like? Oh, I haven't done that now. I can't drive either, so I'm hoping the train. <laughs> To get me somewhere but but even swapping like i know it's such a cliche but but swapping the irish weather and lifestyle for the for the, for the australia weather and lifestyle like that must be something exciting too we're gonna have, you're, you're gonna get sun erica while we're all here soaked in the rain that you'll be basking in the sun down under i know i'm hoping to come back with a tan now to make the family jealous but we'll see how that goes but do you think too that this could like 
what what you're what you're doing it's it's so exciting but it could open the door for not necessarily cork footballers but other footballers i know there's a lot going over at the moment but they they see the opportunity like this that the that the afl is, is growing that like you might be the first from cork of more to follow yeah, I, I hope that because I want I want girls to know that if I can do it, that they can do it. Like I came from a small club, obviously, and I'm after playing with Cork seniors now and heading over to Australia. And like if I can, they can too. Like I met up with um the Cork under fourteens after their match, and I was talking to the girls there, and I met up with the Cork under sixteens as well. And just I want to tell them that you know it's possible that they should something they should look into in the future because like I'm the same as them. I trained in the same just as they did. And I got to where I got by training and working hard. So I was saying to them that if it's something they want to do, just keep working and they'll definitely get there. And what do you think that Aussie rule coaches over see in Irish football players that make them think, OK, we want to bring Eric O'Shea over here. She has what it takes to be a success in this sport. We want to bring v- Vicky Wall here and so on. What, what do you think it is about, about football that just compliments Aussie rule so much? I think just the speed of it, of like football, like especially with the ladies now, everything's gone so quick and fitness plays such a big game of it. So I think it's just speed stands out to them and like obviously a, a bit of aggression too. <laughs> I feel like all the girls that have gone over have been like very tenacious players. So hopefully I'll follow in their footsteps when I go over. And we've mentioned Vicky Wall a couple of times in this chat as well, Eric, and, and Vicky's going to North Melbourne as well. You've obviously touched base at her over the last couple of weeks. How, how excited are you both to head off together? Yeah, I touched base with Vicky. She's a lovely girl. Like I'm, I'm. We're both really excited for the journey. Obviously, cause it's going to be a very new experience. But like, we're both lucky to have each other. Like someone from home, from Ireland. Like, and we can bond with the new experience of like how to how to cope with taking up a new sport and stuff. So it'd be great to have her over there. And she was saying the same. So it's just yeah, it's just going to be a great experience for both of us. No, it's brilliant. It's fierce, exciting. Just want to wish you the the very best to look, Erica. We'll be watching you your story and your journey very closely from back here in West Cork. And no doubt we'll be in touch. We might bring the podcast to Australia at some point in the next couple of months. We might catch up with you again. Definitely. Give me a shout for everyone over there. I'll have you sorted for accommodation. <laughs> Brilliant job. Thanks, Erica. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. Number one for sport in West Cork. Okay, Kieran. before we wrap up this week's Star Sport Podcast, we're going to quickly run through what's inside this week's star sports section and away from the main section there's a very special pull out that I, I know you want to let the world know about yeah we've an eight page west cork ski and skull football finals pull out in thursday southern star and this is a must buy must keep must have for for players of all the, the national schools, primary schools that were involved in the West Cork Skeena Skull football finals in Dunmanway last Thursday, it's a most for the schools themselves, for the teachers, for parents, for aunts, uncles, grandparents, grandmothers, grandfathers, even your your, your, your pet dog. You know, this is something that I think it's, 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 it's a real keepsake. It's a souvenir keepsake because what we have is we have pictures of all 48 teams from all across West Cork who took part in the... West Cork Skeena Skull football finals. And for people of West Cork, the Skeena Skull football finals, they're a very special day um, when, when kids are national school. It's it's their All-Ireland football finals. It's the, the day they get to represent their school and in, in a big game, in the final, and try and bring some silver back to the school. So hats off here to the West Cork Skeena Skull committee who put on an incredible day of action in Dunmanway last Thursday. There were 24 finals played over two pitches last Thursday, and that was boys' finals, girls' finals, mixed finals. There was 48 teams there from 40 different national schools, and they had qualified to get to finals day. I think there were 70 or 80 national schools took part in this event at the very start, and, and the 48 teams got to the final. So huge day for all those young players there, and it's all captured in this Thursday Southern Star. Like I said, an eight-page special with all pictures of 48 teams. But not, not only that, we have match reports from all 24 finals as well. And we have team sheets too. So if you want to see your your niece, your nephew, your daughter, your son's name in the star, then this Thursday is the start to get. So it's an eight-page pullout in the, in, the, in the middle of the sports section. And you will not be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a quick preview of it myself. And it's a, a lovely piece of work. And as Kieran said, a wonderful keepsake if any of your family or friends were involved in the Skeena Skull finals last week. Um, Kieran, there's obviously plenty of coverage of Cork's win over loud and previews of Cork's clash with Limerick. 
as well. So what else can readers look forward to in this Thursday Southern Star Sports section? Yeah, we have a 28-page Star Sports section, so it's a pretty big one this week. So there's plenty of, of reading for our readers and listeners to sink their teeth into. Um, I think a popular page in this week's sports section will be a review of the Cork Miners' brilliant Munster football final win against Kerry last week. A 25-point turnaround in less than three weeks. An incredible win. Cork Miners put Kerry to the sword, 3-11 to 0-9. And the result now is an All-Ireland quarterfinal against Derry this week. And I spoke to Cork Miner manager Michael O'Brien about that. So that's well worth checking out. Also, county championship action. It's up and running on Tuesday night. The Carberry Hurlers lost to Evan Dew while Carrick Down beat Muskery in the opening round of the Premier Senior Hurling Championship Division Colleges section. And we've match reports and reaction from both games there. Also have a match preview of the Carberry and Bearer footballers are both in county championship action this Thursday night. So get your star early on Thursday to find out who's on the Carberry panel, who's captain this year, what big name players are back in with the Carberry footballers this year. While we also chatted to Bearer manager Andrew Fitzgerald. Plenty else going on. Maeve O'Neill and Jane Buckley, two young Athletic sports stars from West Cork. They both won All-Ireland Schools gold medals last weekend. The Kennedy Cup is kicking off in Limerick in UL next week. And we have a preview of that. The West Cork team is travelling up there and the best of luck to them. Also, I had a good catch up with Garrod White. He's the Drina Rangers captain. It's just to have a chat after Drina Rangers were crowned West Cork League Premier Division champions for this season. So that's a full page interview with Garrod White. And he talks about the how Drina Rangers gave youth its fling in this year's um, West Cork League season and it's paying off. There's so many young fellas after coming through onto the senior, onto the junior team there. And that's well worth to read. And there's plenty more besides that. So as you can see, Jack, plenty of reading in this Thursday Southern Star. Yeah, absolutely. Jam-packed as always. And if you can't make it to a shop, you can always subscribe online. Just go to www.southernstar.com dot ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week and if you're wondering yes that skeena skull eight page special will also be included in your digital subscription so don't worry if your grandson was playing but you live in venezuela you'll still be able to see the photos from a wonderful memorable day thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week, hopefully bringing you news of Cork's win over Limerick and their qualification for the All-Ireland quarterfinals. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán Tommel.